Welcome to the Sphere Now podcast, a program focused on safety, sustainability, and productivity issues. I'm James Tarani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today on the program, we have a very special guest. His name is John Kroll, and he is the showrunner and executive producer of the National Geographic show Uncharted, starring, of course, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great. So we'll be talking about season three, uh, which premieres on May 31st. But before we get into season three and talk a little bit about the show, I got to ask you something about season two. So Gordon uh, and uh, Zola uh, Nene, I believe her name was, uh, they were cooking in front of some hippos in the background. So how the heck did you keep them safe from those hippos? Um, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, We actually had a hippo safety briefing. Um, we were pretty hippie, hippo savvy by the time we got to the final cook at the end of the show because we had uh, um, look you, we had planned to do the first scene in front of a place where hippos were known to be around and so we had to be prepared for if the hippos did in fact show their face and have basically an exit plan because hippos can run very very fast um, on land so we had a uh, a lo- local expert who briefed us on hippo safety this proved to be extremely important though at the final cook because when we scouted the location for the final cook at the end of the episode, it was in front of a beautiful pond, but there was no hippo in it. And when we showed up for the final cook, there was a hippo in it. And the hippo was uh, extremely pissed off and not happy about our presence and did make moves towards us. And there were a few times when we started to load people up and get them out of the way. But essentially we relied on the help of a local expert to tell us what a timely hippo evacuation plan would be and what the signs were that we should uh, execute said plan. How long did you have to get out of there in case the hippo did charge? Because I understand these animals can go about 30 miles per hour. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, they have to be able to get out of the water, of course. Um, And what we did was we had a couple of vehicles that were standing by um, that were just out of frame that you don't see on camera. Um, in the big drone shots, the vehicles have been removed, so you don't see them in those shots either. But uh, um, but we had a, a vehicle standing by, and everyone knew which vehicle they were going to head for. And if we got the order from the local expert to evacuate, we were going to load up into those vehicles and be driven to safety. Interesting. And very uh, poignantly, a vehicle just pulled by, as you said, vehicle. So that was really kind of cool. <laughs> Great times. The sound effects are being edited uh, uh, in real time. <laughs> All right. So pe- for people who are uh, less familiar with the show, can you explain it uh, a little bit and tell us where you're going to be visiting in season three? Uh, sure. It, uh, Un- Gordon Ramsay Uncharted is a travel adventure food show. And in each episode, Gordon arrives in a different destination. He meets a local chef who tells him, you know, to understand my country or my city or my state, you need to understand something important. For example, in Peru, he needed to understand altitude. In Alaska, he needed to understand survival, like something that is endemic to the local people and cuisine that sort of is at the heart of his journey. Uh, The chef then sends him on a series of food-seeking adventures in which he collects ingredients and meets various interesting characters. And at the end, he and the guest chef get together and have a cook-off, usually competitive, in which 
Gordon tries to prove that he has what it takes to satisfy the locals. So I, I, I have great intentions with this question, but I got to ask it. Who's more daft, you for trying this stuff first or Gordon for actually doing it on camera? Because some of the stunts he does are absolutely bizarre and uh, terrifying, I would say. Well, it's, uh, um, I'll give you full disclosure on this. Um, I go on all the scouts. I try to eat everything he's going to eat and do everything he's going to do. There are certain kinds of stunts, usually involving helicopters and things like that, that we have a safety officer and uh, they would rather I not do. And they have the safety, uh, the safety guy do uh, um, sort of when we come back for the shoot right beforehand. Um, but generally, I'll try and do everything I can. And, you know, if I survive, they consider it safe uh, that the, for, you know, that the culinary wor world will not be brought to a halt because of something happening to Gordon uh, um, when he does it. Um, but there are a few things where we have to bring in the safety officer to try first. He's a military veteran, uh, uh, Gaz Humphrey. He's done some great things uh, and he can be trusted when it comes to the, the most dangerous of all things. So he's jumping out of the helicopter first, not you. Yeah, I would happily do it, but um, I am not allowed to by virtue of uh, safety and insurance concerns. So we have to let Gaz do that stuff. So um, in season three, I got to watch a few of the episodes before we talked. Um, so Gordon actually falls off a horse in the first episode. Was he OK after all that? Yeah, he usually just dusts himself off. I mean, let's face it, he's fallen out of boats, he's fallen off of horses. He he, you know, we we put him in situations where by no means of his own, you know, uh, dexterity, he he just he, he's put in a situation where people fall and uh he's human. He does sometimes, but he always gets up and keeps going. That's the thing about Gordon. It's great. He's like the energizer bunny. Well, the interesting thing to me about Gordon is it's a totally different personality than you see in some of his other reality shows. Is that intentional or is this closer to the real Gordon? Well, having spent a lot of time on camera and off camera with, uh, with Gordon, um, this, the, per the person you see in Uncharted really is Gordon. He's fun. He's curious. He's excitable. Uh, I think all the other shows are an act and this is the real Gordon. This is this is him in his sweet spot. He loves doing Uncharted because he has fun. He gets to do adventures. He gets to try new food and he's super passionate about food and he's super passionate about, you know, his ass hanging out of a helicopter. So those are two <laughs> things he gets to do in this show. Do you ever have to talk him into doing any of the stunts or is he pretty much sure? Let's go. Let's do this thing. I've never had to talk Gordon into doing anything on the show he always wants to do more than he's uh, allowed to do by the safety department and by insurance um however there are times when i ask him to eat things where he says did you eat this first and i have to say yes so i always have to make sure i've done that everything he eats i either have eaten already or i tell him that anyway i heard you say that in a different interview i was listening to that uh, sometimes he asks you did you really eat this and you're like yeah no and you have to fess up to him well usually i've eaten it but sometimes there are degrees of it so for example in norway if you saw that episode we eat this rockfisk which is this fermented fish delicacy and I had eaten the rockfisk, but I hadn't eaten the special Christmas edition that smelled like a baboon's butt. I, I, I had not <laughs> tried that one. <laughs> so afterwards, he said, did you eat that? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, no, I mean this one. And I said, well, we didn't have access to that one on the scout. 
And he's like, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so what would you consider the most dangerous thing he's done since uh, the show started? Um, I think the most dangerous thing, two th- the most dangerous two things Gordon's done uh, since we've done the show are in the first two episodes of season three, um, um, coincidentally. And in C- in episode one in Texas, he goes hunting for a rattlesnake with a blind rattlesnake hunter. Um, and everything you see there is real. That is a real rattlesnake. He is, Gordon caught it. Uh, and uh, it is... Uh, uh, it was terrifying for all of us, um, but we were careful and had our training to go in there, and we were careful with the crew. And uh, and the other most dangerous thing was gathering the prashabish, the barnacles in in Portugal. Uh, the surf really was pounding in there, and it was it was uh, harrowing. This is in an area where they uh, uh, at another time of the year have the largest waves on the face of the earth. Um, so even in a more quiet time of the year, the surf is pretty lively, uh, and we were quite concerned for his safety then. And uh, I know that our, our our safety officer Gaz was on alert in case a rescue was needed. Definitely, and you know when I was watching that, uh, I was thinking about his safety, but I was also thinking about the camera crew and the sound guy. How are they filming that and keeping themselves safe? Yeah, I mean that's a really nice thing that you bring up, James, because the 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 our camera crews are incredibly robust. They'll always get into the water. They'll 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 always do whatever's necessary to get the shot. Um, we always have uh, someone standing behind them to spot them in situations like that, um, and we are prepared to to bail out. So we have ways of protecting them. Um, I would say the most the time I've been most concerned about the camera crew. Um, and Gordon, for that matter, was in the Guyana episode when they got out of the uh, longboats and got into the water in which we had just fished for piranhas. And it's the middle of the night and they're, and Gordon's catching ca- a caiman with his bare hands. Well, the camera crew is in the water uh, um, also, and they are shooting him with water that's probably thigh high, plenty high enough that a caiman could come up behind them or a piranha or any number of other horrific uh, prehistoric killing machines that they have in Guyana. And uh, um, and the camera crew is never hesitant to jump in and do whatever's necessary. I hope nobody's ever gotten bitten in those kinds of situations. No, most of the bites we get are mosquitoes, the occasional spider. Uh, we, we we haven't gotten bitten by any, uh, any mammals or reptiles on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to ask you this. So, Season three, I'm assuming, was filmed at the end of last year and maybe even beginning of this year. So obviously you have COVID-19 to worry about. So how do you uh, keep everybody safe when they're traveling around the world and when they're meeting the new people and in the different locations? How do you know everybody is uh, safe to be around? Well, I mean, I've been doing this for about 30 years, James, and I have to say it is one of my proudest pro- producerial achievements to have been able to keep this show on the road, and by no means was it entirely or even mostly me who did it, but to have overseen that operation and to have you know zero positive COVID tests for any of our crew um, in in doing you know 13 episodes uh, starting in in July and going all the way up until April, um, uh, be going on 80 flights over the course of that time for both scouting and shooting. 
um, to have gotten out of there and keep kept everyone safe, I'm immensely proud of, more than I'm proud of anything creatively we've been able to accomplish with this or any other show that I've done. Um, to be able to provide uh, jobs for people and keep them working, but also keep them safe was amazing. Um, we brought in a team of uh, former military uh, infectious disease specialists who help us put together a protocol plan. We presented this plan to uh, to Nat Geo and Disney, and we were one of the first TV shows of any kind to go back into production, and we're an international show. Um, and it was a learning experience as we went, but we used a layered approach of distancing, masks, testing, um, hand washing, common sense. Um, but the trickiest thing about it was that we really wanted to shoot the entire series without masks. So when pandemic is over and we uh, and, and and masks are not as commonplace, you're not constantly being reminded of it. So sure. the greatest care we took was in our on-camera contributors because everyone you don't see has a mask on. Um, and and so to you know, we were very, very careful about that. You'll see more fist bumps and high fives than hugs, I think, this season. Mm -hmm. um, but I just think it was a lot of care. It was a little bit of calculated risk and um, a lot of hard work. I want to give a shout out to uh, Tara Williams, our supervising producer, who had to over, oversee that whole uh, um, our, that whole operation. And Marianne and Dean, our COVID supervisors, they were just both, they were all fantastic and were diligent. And even when it was hard to, you know, to, to keep people motivated and masked all the time, they were always right there to make sure we stuck to the plan. Cool. And uh, so how do you find the people that Gordon interacts with? So, for example, you have a person who uh, is a lobster uh, fisherman who doesn't eat lobster. That's was, was that something planned or was that something the day of the cook? You're like, wait a minute, you don't eat lobster and this is what you do for a living? Well, some of that is planning and some of it's happy accidents. Um, we thought um, uh, uh, in that particular case, uh, um, it was an all-female crew of a lobster boat, and we thought that was fun to see a bunch of women bossing Gordon around. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, it, it just was was something you don't expect when you see other fishing sh fishing shows. Usually, the crews are all men, so we thought this was an interesting twist on it. And it just happened that the captain does does not eat seafood, so we discovered that after they were already cast. Um, generally, our pro our process is is that we have a lead producer and an associate producer, a segment producer, on each episode, and they will pre-interview all the people. We'll go on a scout with them as well, and we'll meet them in person. We'll walk through everything we're going to do, and we'll learn more about them. Then there will be some more follow-up interviews. By the time uh, um, we get Gordon there, we know a lot about them. And we'll tell him some things and we won't tell him other things so there can be surprises. Um, but we found that casting the contributors on the show is our, one of our most important jobs, that that the scenes are so much better uh, uh, if you've got the right people. And of course, that starts with the guest chef, but also the other contributors. If you saw Portugal, um, uh, Jürgen, yep. the, the German expat uh, pig farmer, was just a wonderful character that Gordon had so much uh, had so much fun with. Um, and uh, um, in Texas, of course, the two young uh, 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 cowgirls who help him herd the cattle are just wonderful characters. Uh, 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 Meredith and uh, um, and, and Maddie, 
and and so I think finding those people for him to interact with really elevates the show. He's great on his own, but you put him with uh, with a great character, and it just uh, it becomes a one plus one equals three sort of situation. Excellent. And so, as a National Geographic show, when you're um, when you're uh, finding out the ingredients and so forth, how much does uh, sustainability play into your decisions on what ingredients Gordon is going to use in the dishes he creates? Well, obviously, Nat Geo is under the microscope when it comes to issues like sustainability. So we uh, and we're accountable to not just the people at the network, but to the society at the National Geographic, National Geographic Society. So we get feedback from them and they'll constantly give us uh, 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 homework assignments to prove that uh, uh, that that a certain fish that we're going after is plentiful or it's being fished for in a sustainable way. Uh, we are held to the highest standards in that regard, uh, and we take that extremely seriously. We stand by every single segment we've ever done. We have backup for every single one. We're working with local authorities to make sure we're doing it not just within the law, but within within sustainable practices. And um, sometimes there's people who criticize us who misunderstand it, like they may see a certain species as being threatened, but it's not threatened in the region that we're in, or in many cases, it's uh, you know it it's bountiful and they're you know they're trying to to thin the species. Uh, um, this happened in New Zealand with a with a goat where they're overrun with these with these wild goats and they're being encouraged to to uh, uh, to thin the herd. Right. So um, so I think this is something that we we take very very seriously. We have to. We're required to. Uh, and because it's important to Nat Geo, it's important to us as well. So there was a part in the Portugal episode that really piqued my interest. So you're actually going to a winery in sand. I've never seen anything like that before. And I think the guy said that it, it's been there for about 200 years. And uh, Gordon luckily didn't step on too many plants because <laughs> it was really cool to see that. Well, it's actually very few plants in total. So he could have stepped on a branch, but he wouldn't have harmed the uh, the mothership. Um, those those root structures that were going underneath those uh, um, uh, uh, you know those branches were extremely extremely robust. Um, but uh, I think the the farmer was more concerned about him ruining any of this year's crop than he was about damaging the uh, uh, the, the the plant as a whole. Um, but yeah, we're it's not just the, the, the Nat Geo standards, the local standards for sustainability are as, uh, we're as careful of that as well, because we like to leave every place better than we find it, even if we take a few bites of food uh, away uh, from time to time. Definitely. And so do you get, does the crew get to eat the uh, chef's cooks at the end? Or is that all for the people who are tasting the food? James, when, as soon as the cameras go dark, the crew is in there like pigs to a trough. And, <laughs> and, and I mentioned Gaz Humphrey, our, our, our safety officer. He is the worst of all of them. You will never see him without a, some of the food at the end of the meal. Gaz will be in there. That is one hungry, uh, you know, that is one hungry <laughs> man, that Gaz Humphrey. He is somebody, and you got to keep him away from it before we serve it because he will not hesitate to dive into that food before we serve it to the guests if given an opportunity. Do you ever say, Gordon, that just really wasn't that good? First of all, that's never the case, so it's never a problem. And second of all, if Gordon ever did cook something that I thought that less than, that was less than stellar, James, I think you can see how much fun this show is to produce. 
and I will tell Gordon everything I need to to keep my job. Okay, I have no interest in poking the bear. <laughs> we we wouldn't want you to poke the bear. So, what was the strangest ingredient that you tried that was like, eh, that's not half bad. I wasn't expecting that. Um, we have a terrific Mexico episode coming up um, in Oaxaca, and we have some of the most incredible mole I've ever had in my life, and I love mole, but the mole we had cooked by El Moles, the king of mole of Mexico, was one of the most delicious things I tasted the whole time. However, on that same episode, we also ate what are called butterworms. I don't know the technical term for them. Somebody told me once it's some sort of caterpillar that we fried and we were sure it tasted like hot buttered popcorn. And I've heard that one before, James. I tasted some other worms that were supposed to taste great and they were not pleasant. Um, I tasted this worm though, and it shockingly was pretty good. And uh, my colleagues, uh, Tara Williams and Neil DeGroote, the director, uh, tasted them as well. And we all kind of liked them. Unfortunately, Gordon hated them. I don't know if he just got a bad, <laughs> if he just got a bad worm, but he was pissed at us afterwards because he says, "You guys told me this was pretty good." We said, "Our worms were good. We can't be responsible for the fact that you got a bad worm." In the past, you've worked on shows like The Amazing Race and Big Brother. What's more challenging, this show or one of those shows, or something else to put oh, together? Those shows are much more of a pain in the ass because you have to deal with um, like contest, like reality show contestants and. They're just super high maintenance. They're just really difficult to deal with. They always want things and uh, um, and and they whine a lot. You know, it becomes a whole thing that, of cast management. Um, dealing with Gordon is much easier than dealing with Big Brother contestants, trust me. <laughs> and before we started talking for this episode, you said that you'd get Gordon on the phone for me. Can we see that? Um, sure. I have him on speed dial right here. Hi, Gordon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking to James. Remember I told you I'd call you? What? He's an idiot sandwich? You don't want to talk to him? Okay, I'll tell him I tried. Bye. Sorry. Oh, that's that's the best that I can get. Great. <laughs> uh, hey, one listen, more question. It's an honor to be called an idiot sandwich by Gordon. Has he called you one? Um, uh, he did. Uh, how much can I swear on this? Uh, on this we'll have to bleep it out, but you can. Go for it. Oh, uh, well, yeah, he... When he was fishing for piranha, I tried to give him a note, and he had a piranha on the line, and he lost it, and he, I think he kind of blamed me, because he said, John, will you shut the f*** up for once in your life? <laughs> All right, I got one more question for you, and it kind of goes along with that, what you just said there. So, yeah. if there was an uncharted drinking game, which word or phrase of Gordon's would be the most dangerous in terms of getting you inebriated? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I would say if you had a, hell, a, a Hell's Bells drinking game, that would be one that you would be pretty pretty plastered. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you can use one of the, the, the big seven that George Carlin made famous, and any of those will work as well. But I like Hell's Bells. Bloody Hell is also, that one's probably even more than Hell's Bells. Yeah, I was uh, keeping track of a few of them. I, heard, I came up with Bloody Hell, Oh My God, Right, and Amazing. I thought those would be for Amazing and Delicious. I mean, we have, th those are drinking games that you might die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> well, John, this was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, uh, I look forward to it, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure I alert uh, Gaz that he's been thrown under the bus quite severely. Uh, give him my regards, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, James.
Want more safety, sustainability, and productivity-related content? Check out Sphera Spark, your new home for expert information from Sphera and outside contributors designed to spark a conversation. Visit sphera.com slash spark today.